Coming up on Studios America, incoming gas crisis. Do we panic? I'm not entirely sure yet, but author Robert Bryce knows and he'll drop by to tell us. And a backlash is growing against Andrew Yang over his horrific, terrible, monstrous comments uh, supporting Israel. What a bastard. We'll get into that. And if a corporation jumped off a bridge, would other corporations follow? Let's follow our mother's advice and not commit suicide, as we do corporate racism. Stu does America. There are some things you buy and some things you sell, and some things maybe you shouldn't be thinking about in that particular context. Well, guess what? Racism has gone corporate, everybody. Yeah, great job, America. Every company on earth is saying some version of the same thing. We like Asian people, buy our crap. So what is the purpose of all of this? Hmm. It's an interesting question. And if you haven't noticed, this is pretty much everywhere. Everyone is coming out to tell you, to make sure you know, they do not hate Asian people because why are you asking? Of course we don't hate Asian people. We want you to stop hating Asian people. Why do you hate Asian people? You're a bad person. Please buy our stuff. Let me give you a little bit of the picture here and, and paint the overall complete assault by the capitalist world at this point about whether we should hate Asian people or not. Let's take a look at Hulu. Hulu, uh, now if you look at the top, there's the top three categories, and I think this is what everyone looks for when they look for a streaming service. Number one, television. Number two, movies. And obviously, number three there, Asian and Pacific Islander stories. Uh, which one do I want? Do I want television? Do I want movies? Do I want Asian and Pacific Islander stories? I don't know such a quandary. Now look, there are websites where lots of people click on Asians, but Hulu is not one of them. Just throwing that out there. Moving on to a popular video game like Apex Legends. Like it or not, you now have the Stop Asian Hate, uh, Stop Asian Hate, Stop Asian Hate player card token. You don't have to use it, but it's in your game file regardless. Now, if you don't know what Apex Legends is, it's basically a battle royale game. Uh, 50 players on a map with a ring that closes in on you, making the, player, uh, the play area smaller and smaller. And then you kill each other with guns. <laughs> Who do you kill with guns? People like Crypto, who is a character that is Korean. Play our game, stop Asian hate while you're killing Koreans. Makes perfect sense. And then, of course, there is Netflix. Netflix gives you two options. You can watch a movie about or by Asians, or you can see every other thing on their entire service. They are totally pro-choice in that way. Let's move on to Prime Video. You have to love Prime Video here, because uh, when you want to respect Asian culture, uh, of course, you go to Prime Video. That's the source you go to. And when you want to pay that respect, you want to do it, for sure, but not necessarily as part of your Prime membership, a lot of that love for the AAPI community is going to cost you extra. And I mean, a lot extra. Each thing's got a little dollar sign bite. I will say this, is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle really representative of authentic Asian voices? I, maybe I'm in, uh, ill-informed at this point. Sure, you might have Asians in the movie. But it's only an AAPI voice if AAPI culture is actually about stoners who want to hook up with random girls and eat crappy burgers. Also, I will point this out, directed 
by a white dude. Now on to Disney Plus. Disney Plus gives you something called High School Musical, the musical, the series, which is the actual name of, of what I'm sure is fantastic Asian programming. Next up, HBO Max. Now to HBO's credit, they don't actually like shove this one down your throat. You had to go searching for it a little bit, but really I have to ask, Mortal Kombat? I mean, is Mortal Kombat the right thing to highlight for your AAPI and global community section? I mean, it's again, it's a movie about killing Asians, or at least it was a game about killing Asians. I haven't watched the movie, which is more than I can say for my producer, apparently. Oh, and by the way, the authentic Asian story of Mortal Kombat, also directed by a white dude. Let's talk about video games. The Microsoft Xbox site jammed a link. It admits all their giant game ads on the front page. Luckily, gaming online, as you know, one of the least hate-filled activities you can participate in. You know, in between when someone's telling you you're, they're going to screw your mom or uh, murder you. It's not just entertainment. It is really everything everything out there right now. AT&T. AT&T. You want to get some phone service? Well, you better not use that phone to hate Asians. I don't really understand. How about in our schools? Check out the Student Leadership Network, who have linked to their official AAPI statement while also pushing their slogan of equalizing education. I, I got, this is just, I want to break this to you, okay? If we equalize education, Asians are going to have to do worse because they outperform every other category. So equalizing education for Asians is terrible. It's basically AAPI uh, hate in action. How about Esquire magazine? They were kind enough to provide an entire section on their front page to the cause. Oh, look at them. Good Housekeeping has apparently decided to go woke as well with their Time for Change section of their website. Black, Asian, Latinx, oh yes, all of the bases are covered. I will say this, very rarely do we see, going through all these sites, anyone who cares about like Black Lives Matter or Rainbow Pride or whatever the case uh, of the day was last week, right? It's now AAPI hate, and no one cares about BLM anymore. Sad. It's really sad. This brings us to naturally, obviously, when you're talking about social justice, you're talking about uh, stopping hatred of different communities. You always think, say it with me, bath and body works. That's right. Oh, here it is. Social justice, social justice, social justice, and also some stuff for your bath. And then, of course, there's Ellen DeGeneres' website, EllenTube. You can help stop Asian hate through Ellen DeGeneres' website while watching today's episode, entering a Mother's Day sweepstakes, watching musical performances, and helping black lives to matter. I'm glad she remembered it, at least. I mean, this is endless. And I look, we know this stuff is everywhere. Obviously, the appropriate amount of Asian hate is zero. Zero Asian hate is the right level of Asian hate. But think about it. How many people who hate Asians are like, you know what, I wanted to beat up an Asian lady later today, but that message from Bath and Body Works really got to me. I mean, it, it was right next to the loofah sponge I was trying to buy, 
and now I'm totally converted against white identitarianism. I mean, that's just not the thing that happens, is it? Does any... Here, let me give you the exact number. I have the exact number of people who have been converted by these messages. None. No one. No one hates Asians less because Harold and Kumar went to White Castle. It is changing. Absolutely no minds whatsoever. None. None minds changed. So why are all of these companies doing this at the same time? Because they think it will help you buy more of their crap. They are using the issue of Asian violence to sell you their products and services, which should piss off not only Asian people, but everybody. We've done several shows on the horrific increases in Asian American violence in this country. We don't yet know if those horrific increases are actually horrific increases yet, because we don't actually have the numbers. What it looks like is that anti-Asian hate crimes have risen from an almost impossibly low level to a very, very, very low level. Any rise is not good, but remember the correct amount of Asian hate is zero. Zero Asian hate. But the supposed white supremacist catastrophe going on does not seem to be real, especially when you watch a lot of these videos of these white supremacist attacks. I mean, maybe they are white supremacists, but I'll tell you, they're a different kind of white supremacist than you're probably used to. The point is, almost no one on earth wants people to hate Asian Americans. And if you need to tell people that you don't hate Asian Americans, there's probably an issue with your company. Far too long in our history, people used racism to sell us things. I honestly had hoped those times had passed, but with a couple tweaks in the script, they've decided to reboot that franchise. Streaming now on Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, and more. Did you know it's illegal for Asians to buy homes in this country? Did you know that? You didn't know that? No, it's probably because it's not true. Actually, uh, people uh, are going to be happy selling their house to anybody. However, getting the best price for a home, getting the best price for a home when you're buying or selling is not always easy. You need to have a real estate agent that you can actually trust. What do you need to do around the house to get that house sold? Do you need to have it staged a certain way? Uh, maybe you are, have terrible taste. Like, I don't know. I don't know you. Maybe you have terrible, terrible tastes and your house is not going to sell because you like ugly things. Well, your real estate agent can come in and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I hate to break this to you. You you like ugly things. So get rid of those ugly things and we'll put nice things in instead and that will sell your home. Real estate agents can make a huge difference in the way your home buy, uh, sells, uh, what price you get for it, and how quickly it goes. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Get the best real estate agent in your area today. realestateagentsitrust.com. Head there now. realestateagentsitrust.com. So apparently... The- There's some gas stations without gas at them, and that's becoming kind of a big thing on the East Coast right now. What do we need to do here? I mean, how how big of a worry is this really? Let's ask Robert Bryce. He's the author of A Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations. Robert, thanks so much for coming on. Happy to be with you, Stu. So 
how bad is this? I mean, this is kind of a scary thing that we're not used to here in the United States. Well, you're right. And I just saw I've been following this on Twitter today and something like 20 percent of the gas stations in Atlanta are now out of gasoline. Um, And, you know, we're only in the first couple of days of this pipeline being shut down by the hack. But at first blush, there's part of me that thinks, okay, well, this really is serious and it could be serious by the end of the week. But there's also appears that kind of facing some of the to- the toilet paper uh, hoarding kind wow. of scenario where once people hear that, oh, there might not be enough toilet paper, everybody rushes out and buys toilet paper. And now we're seeing some of that gasoline demand spiking simply because people are worried that there might not be some in a couple days. So it's a combination of things. But I think the, un- the, the, the key point here, Stu, is that it demonstrates yet again how fragile our energy delivery systems are. And we take that um, the resilience of those systems uh, uh, at our, you know, we, we take it for granted and particularly the electric grid. But I think this one pipeline going down it underscores the, the, the fragility of our energy system. Um, I will say I had the same thought, which was like, I'm just going to go and just fill up every time I pass a gas station just in case. Now I'm in, I'm in Texas. Is this just an East Coast thing? Well, for now, yes, it is. Uh, there, this clearly, this one pipeline, Colonial, uh, was targeted by hackers, and they took it down. And apparently, you know, another <clears throat> maybe a case of one of these ransomware issues where they're saying, "Well, we'll unlock your 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 SCADA systems, your operation systems, if you pay us off in Bitcoin or or something else." That appears to be the case. Um, but remember, this is the key pipeline for delivering gasoline and and I believe jet fuel into the eastern into the eastern U.S. Some three million barrels a day. The overall demand in the United States is about 20 million barrels a day. So this is a very big portion and and also uh, of of overall oil demand in the U.S., but also into the key markets in some of the biggest cities. I mean, 20% of Atlanta's gas stations don't have fuel. That's a big number. It's a big deal. Um, I want to get into like, you know, how we solve this in a second here. But what does this actually mean for gas prices? I assume, obviously, we're all interconnected. At some level, gas prices are going to go up nationwide if this becomes a real problem. Do we have any idea what this means? Well, so far, the, the that price response has been fairly muted. We haven't seen a big jump, you know, a few cents here and there. Uh, to me, the bigger, if we pull back for just a second, Stu, the part that to me, uh, it, that this is another example of the warning. I, I live in Austin and I was blacked out in February during the blackouts. And, mm-hmm. and it, 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 I wrote a piece about it saying this, this blackout demonstrates the perils of trying to electrify everything. So now just imagine instead of those hackers taking down one single pipeline, they took down an entire portion, say the Eastern grid in the United States. Well, not conditioning and heating wouldn't be able to drive either after a day or so so this i what what to me this the underscores is the importance of having multiple energy grids we have an underground grid the pipeline grid we have the overhead grid which is the the electric grid and then we have the surface grid where we store propane and gasoline in our cars and so on if we're going to be resilient and have more resilience in our energy systems we can't rely on a single grid and that's what a lot of the the extreme climate activists are saying oh we we have to quit burning everything we have to electrify everything i think it's a, really a recipe for disaster it's interesting because you know we we here we are spending multiple trillions of dollars on infrastructure where everything is infrastructure this to me robert actually seems like infrastructure like this is the type of thing that i think the american people would be happy to secure <laughs> And yet this doesn't seem to be the real focus of any of these giant bills. 
It's not. And and you make a really good point, Stu, that this this is about cybersecurity, right? So these, you know, these ransomware uh, actors, these, um, you know, let's call them what they are, criminals mm-hmm. who who really are, 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 they've kidnapped a pipeline essentially yeah. without moving it. Um, but it, it demonstrates the need for more attention on cybersecurity, both for pipelines, for electric grids, transformers, all of these other things. And there was a really interesting report that came out in March from the general, uh, uh, general accounting office, I think general accountability office, now the GAO pointing out the need for more security in uh, on the electric grid uh, because of as we add more solar systems and add more different small microgrids and so on, we're giving hackers more entry points into the grid. Remember the, that target hack that happened a year or two ago? How did they get in and steal all those credit card numbers and so on? They went through the air conditioning system. So, Jeez. I mean, th- these these kinds of vulnerabilities are real and they're growing and we haven't been paying enough attention to it. Paul Steidler had a very good piece in Inside Sources about this, I think, yesterday or the day before, pointing out that this is a this is critical infrastructure. Uh, adding more, you know, electric vehicle charging stations, nah, not so much. <laughs> now, when you talk about the electric vehicles and, and, and the dangers of electrifying everything, is there an argument to be made, though, that like... Generation of electricity is interesting in that you can do it so many different ways, right? You can do it through solar, you can do it through wind, you can do it through natural gas, you can do it through oil, you can do it through nuclear. So if one of these systems were to fail, we can at least generate generate electricity uh, a bunch of different ways. With with what we're ha- the the issues we're having here in the gas pipeline, I mean, this is like you know the entire transportation system of the East Coast in a worst case scenario. Uh, could shut down because of this. Because what are you going to do? There's there's not much to do other than, I mean, eventually they'll get trucks and stuff there to, to, to back this up a little bit. But it's a really dangerous situation. Well, it, it could be. And in particular for aviation, right? You can't, there are no electric airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> <And> you, don't <laughs> yeah. Run, you don't run 737 on a bunch of, 737 is a bunch of D-cell batteries. That doesn't work. <laughs> no. Um, and, and the same for ocean going transportation. But you know, remember, 95, 96% of all surface transportation happens with gasoline and diesel fuel. And so these are critical fuels and they will be for decades to come, despite a lot of the, the rhetoric about, oh, we're going to make a quick transition. You know, President Biden, all due respect, but this idea that, oh, we're going to cut our emissions in nine years or, or decarbonize the entire electric grid in 14 years, which he said yeah. he will do. I mean, it's just really not possible. But but to your point on fuel diversity, I, I I take your point. We need fuel diversity, but we more than that, we need this immediate focus on on making sure that our critical systems, and those are the control systems for all of these pipelines, the electric grids, uh, storage systems, storage of fuel storage. All of these things are absolutely critical infrastructure, and they've gotten short shrift, in in my view, from the Biden administration, despite their plans, as you point out, to spend trillions. Uh, I get most of my scientific information from modern marvels, um, and uh, I was... I, <laughs> it's I, a well-respected journal. I think it's... it's uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Academics it is. all over Stanford, MIT, they love that. They stuff. love yeah. modern marvels. Princeton. They all go to mar- modern yeah, marvels yeah, for yeah, the fact. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it was modern marvels I was watching at one point, and they were showing how water drinking water gets into New York City. And it was such an incomprehensible scale of a problem with like pipes that were made in like the 1800s. I don't remember all the details, but it just seemed like this is not an easy problem to fix. This is not a a flip the switch and, and you're fixing it. We can't currently even protect 
our normal amount of, of, of energy uh, grids, we start adding grids. I mean, are we going to be able to protect these things? And how easy of a problem is it to solve? Well, I think it's increasingly difficult, Stu. The the uh, you know the, look at the electric grid. I mean, you're making a great point about well, well, look, well, here's a critical pipeline, and we're not even able to protect that from hackers, yeah. from from ransom ransomware, from saboteurs. Think about the electric grid, where you have three thousand different electricity providers in America, nine hundred electric co-ops, two thousand municipally owned or publicly owned entities, two hundred investor-owned utilities. The fact that it works at all is incredible. But, but the complexity of the system uh, over millions of miles of wires and all these transformers and all these other things, it's truly staggering how big and how complex it is. And it's getting more and more complex as we add new machines and new, you know, new, you know, wind, solar, all these different projects. No, oh, we lost you here for that last sentence there. Can you repeat the last uh, couple of seconds there? Right. I, I said that, that what what we're seeing is this further complication, adding yet for more complexity to our electric grid with, uh, you know, more solar panels. I have solar panels on the roof of my house, more wind turbines, you know, more batteries. It's getting more and more complicated. So I think this challenge of assuring cybersecurity is going to be even, even more challenging in the years ahead. Hmm. All right. So uh, Joe Biden wakes up from a nap, let's say 2 p.m.-ish. Uh, and he decides he's gonna he's gonna he's got to solve this energy program uh, problem, and he calls Robert Bryce. What for some reason he decides you're the guy. I don't think he I don't think he'd pick you. No 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 uh, no offense. I think he'd go a different direction. Me. I don't think he'd pick me either. <laughs> but let's say he did. He calls you up and he says, "Look, we need to solve this thing today. What do we do?" Well, first I think that in, in one I'll make just one quick point and. Mm -hmm. In, in, the, in his joint session to Congress the other night, right, it was last week, uh, Biden talked about the climate crisis, climate change and everything, did not mention nuclear energy one time, mm. which to me, if you're serious, you have to be serious about nuclear energy. But second, I think this, again, what we see here, um, and, and that irked me because the, it was right about the time Indian Point was closing and the, the nuclear plant in, in, in New York. Yeah. And and. Biden could have used that opportunity to take the bully pulpit and say, no, we need to preserve our nuclear capacity we, if we're serious about reducing CO2 emissions. But I think this this uh, cyber attack on the colonial pipeline is another warning where Biden needs to use the bully pulpit and say, this is an important issue that we have to take as a matter of national security, because you know the Russians, the Chinese, if it's not them or the North Koreans or someone else, they're looking at this and saying, hey, look how easily they could, they don't even have to leave their house. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to go out there with bombs or guns or anything or bulletproof vests. They can hack them from their house and in their slippers. This, If this isn't a wake-up call, it should be. I mean, and you pointed this out really well in your documentary, which is, Basically, you know, energy is civilization. I mean, it is basically the difference between a third world country and a, a, a global leader. If you have reliable electricity, it makes all the difference. It's the key to modernity. Everything, it's the, 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 our electric grid is the mother network. It's the network upon which every other system we care about depends. Our iPhones, our stoplights, our, you know, our, our washing machines, our Cuisinarts, our, you know, all these things that, you know, so I can, you know, watch the, the, the San Antonio Spurs on TV. All the things I care about have a plug mm -hmm. and uh, the, in my home. And so, yes, this is the key network. And I think that in, this is just one pipeline, but imagine if hackers 
succeeded in taking down, uh, you know, the electric grid on the eastern on the east coast, or or just one state an electric grid. I mean, it's it it it's immediately cripples the system. And, and, and the, and the society can last, you know, how long does the ice last, you know, 24, 48 hours after that things get really dodgy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we, and we saw what happened when one state goes down with the Texas freeze, really. I mean, that was kind of a, a minor, uh, just over a few days, an experience with that world. Uh, before you go, what is the right thing for the average person to do? Because you, you mentioned you have solar panels on your house. Um, people, uh, you know, there are ways to kind of uh, individualize your home's uh, electricity use to some level. What's the right solution? Should people look for those types of things? You know, that's a really good point, Stu, and it's a, a, something I've been thinking about quite a lot because we were blacked out for 45 hours here in Austin. Mm. Um, reliability and affordability are go hand in hand. If you don't have reliable electricity, you have to spend a lot of money to assure, uh, 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 if you don't, if you don't have reliable electricity, your affordability goes down the drain. Right. Why? Because then you got to buy a, your own generator. You need batteries, something else. So uh, that's a very difficult and expensive, uh, solution, uh, with the grid isn't reliable, but I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you on a personal basis, since, since the blizzard, I, my pantry is full now. I don't assume that there's going to be food in the grocery store. Have I bought a generator or a bunch of Tesla power walls? No, but I've thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've approached that problem the exact same way. I've thought about it quite a bit. Haven't done anything (laughs) about it, but man, have I thought about it. I have another couple grand maybe, (laughs) but, but, but I think this is, but I, I mean, I joke about it, but for people that don't have extra money, that's a, bill they can't afford. Sure. You know, wealthy folks can say, oh, well, sure, I'm going to get latest Tesla power. Well, I'm going to add more solar panels. I'm going to do these things that insulate myself from a grid that is increasingly unreliable. Well, for a lot of low and middle income people, that's just not an option. Yeah. And to me, that means, well, then the people who are running the grid need to do a better job and assure that reliability, including in particular, their resilience to cyber attacks like the one we're seeing on the pipeline. Especially when we're already spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars here. How can this stuff not not be secured when we're talking about all of this money spent. It really is frustrating. And I will say, uh, Elon, if you're out there, I'm I will take the Tesla solar roof and talk about it uh, as much. Just all you need to do is send it to me. I'll put it up myself or I'll have somebody. Well, put he's, it down, up. He's, he's, he's down here in Austin. I'll whisper him to him. Oh, you know, tell him I, hey, call him. Tell him about help Stu out. He needs a hand. Look, Robert Bryce has endorsed this idea. I mean, you heard it right here on the air. <laughs> Robert Bryce is the author of The Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations. Uh, be sure to grab your copy today. Robert, thanks so much for coming on, man, and explaining all this to us. You bet. Thanks a million, Stu. Thank you so much for supporting our mission to uh, do America. Speaking of that support, have you subscribed to my Instagram page yet? Just head to my page at Stu Does America. You'll get exclusive clips. You'll get content. You'll get the link in the bio that will take you to all of our full episodes completely free. Or consider supporting the network that supports this stupid show with your own subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. It's also, by the way, how they know that you are supporting conservative content and you're, you're opposing conservative censorship. It makes a big, big difference when you su- uh, subscribe. We need you more than ever. Uh, also, we'll save uh, 10 bucks off your subscription if you use the promo codes too. Okay, um, here's the uh, situation in Charlotte. It's the QT gas station on Selenese around 930 at night. They are out of gas. Mm. 
Everybody sitting here is not getting gas. Everything except diesel is out. What they just told me. On the bright side, though, QT has a lot of good snacks in it, if you've never been to one. Uh, I will say it's a very strange situation. We talked about it with Robert Bryce a, a little er earlier. Go back and listen to that interview um, about what we can do about the pipeline. Uh, but I, I am perplexed by the Biden administration response to this. They basically are kind of saying you're on your own to figure this out if you get uh, hacked and, and uh, threatened uh, by foreign powers. I, I, am I taking this wrong? This is a clip from uh, Ann Newberger. She's the deputy national security advisor for cyber and emerging technology. So first, we recognize that victims of cyber attacks often face a very difficult situation. Mm -hmm. And they have to just balance often the cost benefit when they have no choice with regard to paying a ransom. Colonial is a private company and will defer um, information regarding their decision on paying a ransom to them. Wait. Did, you, uh, did the administration offer any advice on whether or not to pay a ransom? So typically that is a private sector decision and the administration has not offered further advice at this time. Given the rise in ransomware, that is one area we're definitely looking at now to say what should be the government's approach to ransomware actors and to ransoms overall. I mean, we don't negotiate with terrorists, right? Have we completely abandoned this uh, the stance? I thought that's what we always did as America. It's really weird to hear her say, like, look, you know, private sector needs to really make this decision on their own. It's the one decision. Apparently, the Biden administration is fine with the private sector actually making. Um, but it's interesting to see that, like, OK, you get hacked from a foreign power and they hold you ransom. And it's look, it's your own private sector sort of decision to figure out whether you want to pay the ransom. Isn't this a crime? I, like if you were to get shaken down by the mob and they say, well, you got to pay your protection fee, that would be a crime. And it wouldn't be like, well, it's your private sector decision to decide whether you want to pay the mob or not. This is a really weird stance from a government entity. I do realize in reality, some of this actually does go on. I mean, people really do pay the ransom. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I'd love to hear from you uh, whether I mean, do do cyber criminals like honor these deals like if you send them bitcoin do they actually like give you access back to your stuff i i honestly have no idea how that works uh, hopefully i never will uh however i will say the one good thing about this uh, you know this whole pipeline shutting down situation is it's saving the climate and that is what's most important to me my heart and to my soul and it's most important uh, to the biden administration of course as well so who cares hey screw the economy screw the pipeline Let's, you know, cool the earth by one one zillionth of a degree, and that'll make it all worth it. Uh, Biden is looking now to try to form a civilian climate core. Uh, now, I know AOC wanted a climate core, but I guarantee she didn't want she didn't want that to be private. Um, Biden's trying to act as if he's going to get people to just kind of like volunteer and do this climate work. We'll see how that goes. He's also wanting to share vaccines with North Korea. Now, look, as you know. I'm America's most single individual pro-vaccine person. Uh, I'm, I'm number one on the list. The Billboard did a ranking. I was number one. The most pro-vaccine person in the universe. I'm thrilled. I, I love big pharmaceutical companies. You know how people say, oh, I can't believe big pharma. I love big pharma. I love medium pharma and I love small pharma as well. I think these people are doing amazing work and I think these vaccines are miracles. Do I want to share them with others? I'm fine sharing them with others. I mean, look, 
you know, Fauci took some heat for saying, what was it, the bottom of the sixth inning on COVID? It's not the bottom of the sixth inning in the United States of America. We're far beyond that. But we're probably around the bottom of the sixth inning globally. I mean, India is still being destroyed by this thing right now. I want to share, especially with a country like India, that's, a, that's an ally, that's a country that uh, actually is the largest um, uh, capitalist democracy in the world. You know, I mean, they're not exactly our speed, but like they do a lot more than China does. And I would like to help these countries out when we, if we have excess vaccine doses. I would like to share with our allies, though, first, like we're going to North Korea, like, look, let China help North Korea. They've done so much for the rest of the world already. Why not let them help North Korea on this one? Again, I, you know, people are people. And why should it be? You and I should get along so awfully. But, I, you know, like I have no problem. I don't, I'm not saying I don't I don't want uh, the North Korean people uh, to get the vaccines that they need. I, I hope they do. I just feel like maybe our target should be our close allies before we start going to communist dictatorships that want to destroy us. Just a, just an idea. Again, I'm not in the White House. Joe Biden is. I will say a major, major article I thought came out today and has not had enough press uh, coverage. This comes from the New York Times. David Leonhardt, who's done a really good job. Uh, I know the New York Times, you might say. The New York Times blows, and sometimes they do. But I will say they've done some really good reporting on some of the stuff, and David Leonhardt has done a really good job over and over again highlighting how these restrictions around the country are not following the science. We were told just follow the science. And over and over again, we're finding that the science was different than you know the media, at least, was, was, was telling us. And, and he goes into what really happened here with um, a, uh, it's, it's just a number, from the CDC, but it was used as sort of a, a diagram on how we're going to react to the virus. And basically what the CDC said was um, uh, less than 10% of COVID transmission occurs outdoors. And you might say, well, okay, then it's not happening all that often. Still maybe a problem, but it's only 10%. Well, the problem is it's not 10%. It's far, far less than 10%. Many, uh, um, Experts believe it is as low as 1%, likely below 1%, and maybe as low as 0.1%. Um, multiple epidemiologists told David Leonhardt that the share of transmission that has occurred outdoors seems to be below 1% and maybe below, below 0.1%. Um, so, as he points out, saying that less than 10% of COVID transmission occurs outdoors is akin to saying that sharks attack fewer than 20,000 swimmers each year. True, but it's, the real number is about 150. So it's really misleading and it's hard to understand what the damage is there. He goes through how this happened. One study showed that 95 of 10,926 worldwide instances of transmission were classified as outdoors. You're like, okay, well, that's still, you know, all right, it's about, I mean, it's still a lot less than 10%, but, you know, there's still some transmission outdoors. However, all 95 of the cases in the study were from construction sites in Singapore. Now, you don't have to be a scientist to realize that there's probably a problem with the study if the only place they can find outdoor transmission is at construction sites in Singapore. When they looked into the study, long story short, basically they found that a lot of these construction workers were spending a lot of time indoors and almost all of this transmission, if not all of it, occurred indoors. So 
This is the reason why you have outdoor mask mandates from studies like this that were totally misinterpreted. And the CDC over and over again has spent way too much time being way too careful when we clearly know outdoor activity is safe and would help people remain a little sane through the past year. So terrible job by the CDC. They've screwed this up a, bu a bunch of different ways. And there's a lot of competition for this title, but this may be the, the single dumbest thing that has occurred over the past year. And as I said, a lot, a lot of competition for that title. Back in a second. Remember that old website, hotornot.com? Remember this? And like people would vote on whether you were hot or whether you were not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I did really well on that. A 2.1 out of 10. Uh, but it, these scores, you know, they can get in your head a little bit. You know, if you have a crappy credit score, you might think, well, I don't know, my financial future is destroyed. Scoremaster says, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're going to be fine. Come to Scoremaster, let us help you. Scoremaster is the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. Forget raising your credit score by a few points. That's weak. The average Scoremaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. That's only three weeks. So if you're thinking like, ah, my car, I need to get a new car coming up soon. I want to get a new credit card. Go to Scoremaster first. Get those points and then get the credit card. Then get the car loan. Then get the home loan and save yourself thousands and thousands of dollars uh, up to like a hundred grand if you're talking about a house scoremaster puts you in control of your finances not the banks enroll in minutes and see how many plus points you can add at scoremaster.com slash stew scoremaster.com slash stew people have been doing this all around the studios getting tons of points on their credit score scoremaster.com slash stew okay i want you to brace yourself here for what i'm about to say because if you're like me, your head may explode. It's that type of Glenn Beck duct tape moment. And I want you to prepare yourself. Because Colin Kaepernick is publishing a book calling to abolish the police. And there you go. Abolition for the people, the movement for a future without policing and prisons. And it says uh, abolish the police, close the prisons and over 30 voices for the people. Over, oh, wait a minute. This isn't a book by Colin Kaepernick. It, look at it, show the picture again, if you can. It says, edited by Colin Kaepernick. He's not, he didn't even write it. Why the hell would you go to a freaking uh, trash quarterback to edit your book? <laughs> he did absolutely nothing for this except slap his name on the front. Unbelievable. An editor. Colin Kaepernick can't even read books, let alone edit them. Oh, God, it's so, it's infuriating. This is, I, here's something I want you to remember. If you just take, just stop and think. You now they have those things just like, you, you got to remember this one thing. Never forget, Colin Kaepernick was benched for Blaine Gabbert before he ever took a knee. He was not fired because he took a knee. He actually lost his job before he took a knee. I tend to believe the reason he got into all this social justice stuff is because he was so embarrassed at what a trash heap his career was that he couldn't figure out anything else to do. 
Now everyone praises him, gives him tons and tons of money as he holds them hostage because God forbid Nike ever fired him. He would go to the press and say they were all racists and the press, of course, would listen. So get ready for his book. It's coming out in October. We may need to do a book release party, maybe do a reading of his Abolish the Police essays that he edited. He edited, remember. Golden Globes are going to be canceled on NBC because I guess there's too many white people associated with the Golden Globes. Now, I will be honest with you. I don't care about the Golden Globes. I have not followed it all that closely. But apparently, there's too many white people. Tom Cruise is returning his Golden Globes, mostly because they were holding doors open in his home. Why would he, why would he care? Uh, but they're very pissed off about this, and they're now NBC has canceled it, at least... On, on the air. I don't know if the awards are going to continue to go, but we'll watch that as well. And also there's a story about a guy named Fisher Stevens. You might not know who he is, but you might remember the movie he was in, Short Circuit. Now he's had a, a long career and he's done a bunch of stuff, but back in the day he, was, he played a role, Ben, in the movie Short Circuit, which was about a robot. He was like a scientist or something. And he's a white guy and he played an Indian American character, which you're not supposed to do. I will give you a brief taste of his performance in Short Circuit. White dude. Newton, come on, hurry up, they're waiting for you. Mm. Newton Crosby, you must make instantaneous appearance. Marner says that you have to go hobnob with the big wigs. <laughs> Is that a yes or the number to your intelligence quotient, hmm? Ben, I don't hobnob. If you like all that PR crap, why don't you go hobnob? Mingle with the brass, have a ball. Oh, I am sick of wearing the dress in his family. So there you go. Now, not a lot of white guys doing that voice anymore. I will say, he's actually really, uh, you, you read the headline, it says he, uh, he says, the role definitely haunts me, uh, which, okay, I can understand that. However, I think when you read what he says, he was apparently a 21-year-old actor, like one of his first big roles, white guy, got hired for the role as a white guy, and after he had the job, they re rewrote the role to be an Indian guy. So he actually went and like learned about the culture and mastered the accent-ish. And, you know, I mean, he's a 21-year-old kid. What's he going to say? No, I don't want to be in your major movie studio release with the Steve Gutenberg. I mean, you can't say that. So anyway, he says they actually should. It's a great movie, except for me. They should reboot the franchise without me in it. So I, <laughs> I kind of like the way he handled that. Uh, and uh, so I, now I want to watch Short Circuit again and listen to... Uh, the the Johnny Five. So who's Johnny? By El DeBarge, I believe. Back in a second. Sorry, I just brought up uh, DeBarge, the Millennium Collection. Just listen to some tunes here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how. That doesn't sound 80s at all to me. I mean, it sounds very current. As current as the Indian accent from Fisher Stevens uh, from the movie. Um, before we uh, go, I want to tell you about Andrew Yang. If you happen to be on Twitter, by the way, you can follow me at Stu Does America. would really appreciate it. But while you're there, make sure you look for the hashtag Yang. What is it? Yang supports genocide. <laughs> Why does Andrew Yang support genocide? I don't know. Here's the thing. Apparently, he doesn't want Jews killed. Do you believe this guy? Doesn't want Jews killed by rockets from Hamas. He's a bad guy. This is how far the left has gone, by the way. This is how far they've gone. Now, just by saying you don't want Jews killed in Israel, you apparently are terrible and off the reservation. Uh, absolutely amazing. All right, I'm just going to listen to a little more. 
A little more Who's Johnny here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 